hello and welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are joined by one of my most favorite people from Instagram. She is incredibly intelligent, she is inspiring, and as of late, she has also been focused on being more and more authentic and real. Today I'm talking to Holly Baxter Norton. She is a nutritionist, dietitian, and a coach as well as co-owner of BioLane. And I reached out to Holly initially because I had noticed she was absent from social media just a bit and she came out with a YouTube. And the second she published that YouTube, I hopped right on it and much to my surprise, my pleasant surprise, she was talking about this transition that she was going through and how she is focused now on releasing perfection and embracing where she is and just understanding that there is so much more to life than just performing, than just to living up to other people's expectations of you, than to constantly be hustling for your worth. So Holly explains to us her upbringing and how she got to where she is today and why it's important for her to start spreading this message of letting go of perfection. So, you know, with the title of my podcast, Far From Perfect, I really don't need to have any other title for this podcast, this episode in particular, but I hope everyone starts to, you know, really understand that Perfect is not where it's at. Perfect is not a destination because it does not exist. And so we can all stop. We can strive. We can strive for excellence. We can do our best. But at the end of the day, we need to know that we are enough. So please enjoy this episode. If you love it, like it, share it, rank it. That's how I can continue to get all these amazing guests on the podcast. And I hope to talk to you soon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Far From Perfect, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am so grateful to be joined by Holly Baxter Norton. <laughs> Holly is, Holly, you have been for me like a resource, a trusted resource for at least the past five years. I think you are so smart. I mean, clearly, you know so much about nutrition. You are also co owner of BioLane, correct? Yes. And you're the director of nutrition there? Yes. So you guys, Holly is brilliant and we could talk all day about nutrition. We could ask her about macros and reverse diets and why we need to do this and do that. But today I want to talk a little bit more to Holly about her own personal um, journey as of late. And Holly, when I was listening to your YouTube about where have I been, I want you to know, and I'm sure you already know this, but I'm just going to tell you just in case you are one of those people that I look forward to right? When you're not there, I notice. <laughs> and I, I was like, gosh, what's, I wonder what Holly's up to, you know, like we're, like we're friends and then I'll scroll and like, I'm not, not really nothing much. And then you posted that video mm-hmm. on your YouTube and I, I reached out to you immediately mm-hmm. and I thought the timing was just impeccable, but I just rebranded my podcast to far from perfect. Mm-hmm. And so hearing you talk about your diversion away from perfection and people pleasing and all of this, it moved me and it makes me really happy for you, but I really want to talk about it. Does that sound good? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sounds amazing. Well, before we talk about your evolution, let's talk about your history. Like you started off with sports. So can you talk about, you know, what, what got you into this industry? Yeah, it was kind of a roundabout journey, I guess. Um, I think, you know, I grew up in Australia, um, specifically Tassie. It's kind of the small little island that's completely detached from, we'll call it the mainland. Um, And I think 
I, even when I was really young, I had this like longing for like seeing what the world had to offer. I really felt like, hey, there is so much to experience, so much to learn. Um, I don't feel like my calling is right here in Tasmania. So, you know, every opportunity that I had, um, you know, the first step was really branching out and moving away from my family to go and study in college. Um, like that was a big deal. Like usually if people kind of get stuck in these small little towns. I was like, no, I don't want to be like that. I feel like I have a greater purpose. So I think from that really young age, um, I wanted to, to know what I was put here to do. And like, I grew up outside of any, you know, religion. I not saying that I had no religion or didn't believe it was just, I never had any um, connections to people that, you know, um, were spiritual in any way. Um, and I think, you know, my parents, you know, they grew up from, you know, blue collar, blue collar families, you know, that were both hard workers, um, but they didn't have, you know, the best influences or mentors in their life. So I think I was looking for mentorship. I was looking for guidance. I look, was looking for something to make me feel fulfilled. So I, I kind of veered away a little bit from sport. I did a lot of, um, you know, basketball, and athletics, and my mom, I think, put us in every single afternoon activity you could imagine when we were kids. So, you know, we, we had exposure to so many different avenues. And like, I was just I remember thinking like, wow, I'm so confused. There's so many things that I want to do. It was like um, paralysis by analysis. I have no idea how to make a choice. But I ended up deciding, hey, you know, in Australia as a female, there's not a whole lot of opportunities to really um, have a successful career in, in sport. It just, it wasn't like that back then. It's still really not now. Um, so, of course, you go the educational route. And what I knew and loved the most was, you know, nutrition, like health, um, you know, caring for my body and what does that look like? So I started off, um, I guess, with food science and nutrition, and that actually stemmed from, and I think this is kind of where my, um, we'll call it all my imperfections really started and all my struggles really started to, you know, become a, a you know, pivotal point in my life. Um, and it was just around that time where I uh, was about to go off to, to college I had already, you know, suffered um, with serious depression um, at this, a couple of points in my life. I think during grade 11 and 12, um, I had attempted suicide. I was miserable. I was, I really didn't know like where, where I was meant to be, who I was supposed to connect with. Um, I'd had and experienced um, some really traumatic things in my early life. And I just felt like I was lost. And I think the one thing that I felt like I actually had control over as a, a young teenager was what I put in my body. And with the sport that I was doing, um, and it's really unfortunate, this is how it kind of all evolved, but like the combination of not some fun upbringing, um, you know, some traumatic experiences. And then um, I was working under one of the top coaches in Australia for athletics. Um, he actually coached uh, a lady called um, Kathy Freeman. She was the uh, Olympic uh, gold medalist for the 400 meter sprint. Like everybody in Australia knows who she is. I looked up to her. I was like, oh, I want to be like Kathy. And then, you know, having the opportunity to work with um, her coach, it was like, wow, like I really, here's this person I look up to that's training, you know, everything they say and do must be right. Mm -hmm. And one little comment about, um, you know, my physique, I remember as like a 15 year old, he must have said to me, hey, you know, um, you've got like, you're a little bit, you've got too much body fat. Like, look at Kathy, for instance, she's really lean. She's really fast. Like you're just carrying around this dead weight. Yeah. And I understand where he was coming from. Like, yeah, of course, it's like you don't want to have excess body fat as a, a top track athlete. You want to be powerful and explosive. So, but, but that was the one little thing that just kind of tipped me into this downward spiral of, you know, an eating disorder. And it was like, well, this is the only thing I can control in my life. I feel so uncertain about all these things. Um, I need to perfect my body because I'm in control of that. And that was what was driving my decisions to, you know, get into, um, you know, college. That was food science, nutrition. That was fueling my decision to become a dietitian. I went on and did my master's in dietetics. It was like, yes, I need to seek back control through power of knowledge and learning. Now, there is a lot of value to that. And I am so grateful that I did um, because it has uh, helped me, uh, I think, 
look beyond, you know, some of the, the shallowness that a lot of us, I think, struggle with when it comes to like our physical appearance and our bodies. Um, I've learned how to um, practically improve my physique and that, you know, also has a, a number of positives. It's helped my health. It's actually got me eating vegetables. You know, I was this kid who hated veggies and, you know, didn't want to eat anything. And like up until even like my last year of college, I still wouldn't do it. Then I was like, you know what? It's probably about time I like thought about my health for a second year. So, and then even more so when I got into the sport of bodybuilding. So, you know, I'm so grateful for the knowledge that I learned, um, the experiences that I had, because it's kind of paving this pathway for, I think, what ultimately I'm meant to do now, um, which is, in my opinion, you know, provide evidence-based information through uh, nutrition or about nutrition and training, um, but also the importance of, I guess, addressing health outside of the physical aspect of health. I'm very interested and very um, passionate about, you know, the importance of the mind. And I'm very passionate very recently about the importance of um, or gaining understanding or seeking understanding of spirituality. Yeah. That was never something that I had any idea about. Like I remember looking when I did like um, the determinants of health in my undergraduate, like in the very first few years learning nutrition, one of these like public health like um, units was like all of the determinants of health. And I remember always seeing like spiritual health. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I had no idea. I was like spiritual. I'm like, okay, I guess there's fairies, there's angels. Like I really didn't know. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, this, there's so many things to un unravel here. And uh, yes. I guess, to summarize, you know, how I got to be where I am now. Um, it's just, it's been through my own negative experiences, my own personal struggles with an eating disorder, my own past traumas, um, and then not having the right guidance that has <laughs> led to the very long, slow journey of getting to a, a great place, like a happy place where I feel at peace and I'm so comfortable and just, you know, I feel good about life now. It's like, it all makes sense. <laughs> and I have to tell you, like, I'm so happy for you because doesn't Ooh. it feel like a huge weight has been lifted or tell me how, how does, how do you feel? It feels so free. It feels, it's like you walked around for the most or the majority of your adult life. Like I'm 33 years old now. I think I spent 15 years of my life just guessing and hoping um, that things that what I was doing, my decisions were right. Yeah. And now it's like, I've found, I found what is right. I've found, you know, the wise words and, you know, what we should be modeling our life uh, on. And it's like, give, it's just giving me peace. It's like, oh, the reasons that I was doing these things before, yeah, they might've brought me some happiness. Yes. I, I liked, you know, I like this made me feel good, but it was almost like it wasn't enough. So when you can step back and realize like there is so much more purpose than yourself or for serving others for or with the idea that you're seeking um, acceptance, yeah. it, it's like, wow, now all the things that I'm doing have even greater meaning and greater purpose. And I can actually apply this for so many better reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's well, very great. You brought that up, like the reason, the reason why. Because the why we're doing these things matters. And I don't know, you know, I can only speak for myself. I think sometimes we do these things to get other people's approval, mm -hmm. to, you know, look good in others, in someone else's eyes. Mm -hmm. when, when you have the right why, and I'm not, we're not here to tell you what the right why is, mm -hmm. but when you're doing it for the right reasons, it just feels different and things fall mm -hmm. into place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's questioned a lot of, uh, I guess, my past decisions as well. So, you know, I guess I can talk briefly about um, my my history in like competing. So obviously I had athletics when I was a kid. It's not really something that I could continue to do as an adult. And it was just kind of a very lonely sport, I guess. Mm -hmm. So this enabled me like stepping into the gym. That was like my hobby after college, I could go to the gym, you know, I could hang out with people and train and, you know, spend time and, you know, develop some connections. And that kind of got me down the pathway of working with a lot of these pro athletes. And 
Um, it was actually on the suggestion of a client that I was uh, helping prepare at the time who said, hey, like, have you thought about doing bodybuilding? And I was like, wow, yeah, I mean, I guess if I'm going to walk the walk, as in like provide the education for these people, uh, I guess I should probably talk the talk and get up and actually do it. And what really motivated me was that the world championships um, in that particular year were going to be held in Dubai. And I had always, always wanted to travel uh, and see what that was like. So that was kind of my motivation for doing it. I don't know that the why was really like, for a greater purpose then, but I'm so grateful for that experience because it is, it's wound up in, a per, in the perfect place, it's all in like perfect timing. Um, so I had to win a state show uh, and then a national show. And then I got to Worlds and just so happened to win Worlds as well. And it's just like carried on from there. But um, all the while, I was still really suffering from this like feeling of like, I guess, disconnect. I didn't feel valued as a human or worthy as a person unless I was doing things to the best of my ability that it had to be perfect. And I think I spent so much time focusing on like perfecting my physical exterior that the one thing that I was neglecting the most and that probably needed the most amount of attention was my my mindset, my focus. And until I really started uh, putting in an equal amount of time on improving the way that I think um, and what drives my decisions. It wasn't until that um, took place that I really started to change and evolve and, you know, move in such a more positive direction. So, well, I love hearing you talk about that because um, we're very much in alignment. I know you recently went to a conference with someone mm-hmm. and talked about like neuroplasticity that's my jam. Like, have you ever gone to a Joe Dispenza event or do you read Joe Dispenza or listen to any Joe Dispenza? No, I haven't. I'll have to take a look. Oh my gosh. You must, you must, you must. But I want to know whose seminar did you go to? Okay. So it was Dr. Caroline Leaf. So she yes. was presenting at, <laughs> sorry, she was presenting at the Entree Leadership Summer Summit um, earlier this year in Orlando. It is a, uh, I guess, a Ramsey event. So Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, um, they are, I guess, a faith-based group. Um, and it was fascinating. So I remember sitting there and listening to all these incredible presenters. Um, some were mental health, some were financial experts. Then there were people that were like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who has studied, uh, I guess, neuroplasticity and neuroscience for her entire career. And she was Um, sitting there talking about um, this group of participants that she'd been studying and using her, uh, I guess, treatments and her methods. And it involved um, people that were clinically diagnosed with depression. And I'm somebody that had struggled with depression for the better part of my adult life. I mentioned before, you know, I was suicidal. I'd attempted suicide as a young girl and it never really left me, but I think I just was given enough skills to kind of cope and just to get through And what was fascinating was she would work with these individuals for about 60 days. Um, They'd start like baseline, they do all their measurements. There's lots of subjective scoring um, that they use to kind of class somebody's level of, um, you know, depressive symptoms. And then they also take a scan of your brain. And for the depressed, for the depressed brain, it would uh, highlight all of these areas like in a certain color, like it was red. And then you get to see their score changes, the improvements after the 60 days of this therapy. And the brain is like completely different. She would even show you like some of the higher res images um, of, you know, the spindles inside your and the synapses inside your brain where, you know, here's the negative synapses. And then here is what the, the synapses look like in the same area of the brain after the therapies and all it was really involving. And I'm, I'm sure I'm really dumbing this down and it's a lot more complex than what it is, but it was just through different um, cognitive behavioral therapies. And it starts by, you know, what are your normal mind uh, mindset and thoughts like? Um, reframing those uh, thoughts, so changing your narrative. So if my narrative is when I look in the mirror, um, wow, I'm so ugly, wow, I'm so fat, or wow, I'm so, um, you know, worthless to something. It started off by just moving from a negative, um, you know, self-talk to just neutral, like just something that's neutral, and then moving from that neutral narrative to something that's positive. Mm -hmm. And then over that time frame, you can literally change your thoughts 
to something that is completely different. And then over time, that reflects your behavior, that uh, that reflects your character, that reflects your habits. It's who you are. And now you can be a happy person. So the fact that we have control to change how we are, how we feel, how we think, like that's fascinating. Like to me, it's very fascinating. I agree. I like, it makes me so excited. And I'm like, okay, everybody needs to understand this. You think it's Mm -hmm. cool to have a six pack? Guess what's even more cool? Like having this control over your life. Not that we need control every single aspect, but Mm -hmm. you really are in control of your reality and you can change it if Mm -hmm. you want to. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I think that takes a lot of, um, I guess, what's the word that I'm looking for? I guess I'll frame it this way. You've got to let go of your ego. You've got to be open to being vulnerable. You've got to be open to your imperfections. And that's really hard. It's really hard for so many of us. And I think so many of us are so proud and want to protect our ego because we are worried about other people's opinions of us and what they might think and how it might look. Like that's how I was raised. It was like everything was just worrying about what other people think. Oh my gosh. Don't worry about what you think, but worry about what everybody else thinks, how you dress, what you wear, what they might say, you know. So I think, um, you know, if you can be vulnerable in that way and listen and then try to apply the things that we know to be right, my goodness, what's on the other side and what's waiting, um, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. Like you said, it's like a weight off your shoulders, knowing that you have the power to change and you can be whatever it is that you want to be and feel or think. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, just a a note on that really quickly. Um, I mean, we don't have identical backgrounds, but there's some definite similarities and with that outward, like what other people think is important, I grew up in the much the same way. And, you know, I think everyone's parents, they do the best that they can. But when I was going through my disordered eating stuff, I remember my mom, like, instead of like offering to get help, I remember her saying, my friends think you're crazy. So, you know, it's like, that's not necessarily helpful. And it's, it's about what other people think, not about what's going on inside. Yeah, but, you know, we all, I think a lot of us grew up that way. And mm-hmm. so we forgot that what, what we think about ourselves is what matters the most, mm-hmm. what we feel about ourselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of that disorder, eating, eating disorder, um, you know, behavior, it, it stems from something that is so far beyond your, your body. Yeah. It usually um, is a result of uh past trauma um, or some kind of a negative experience um, where people truly feel like they're completely out of control. And then that is the only way they can seek fulfillment or uh, happiness. And it's really sad. And I think rather than, you know, like the experience that you had with your mom, I think my mom was still very much focused on the outward and wasn't really trying to to uncover what was the reason behind why you feel this way, um, what might have contributed to this and like working on that healing process, um, which is now why I feel like at age 33, I've had to go back through my entire like life to first seek, I guess, understanding of the things that have happened and then to learn now through, I guess, my newfound spirituality is like learning what it looks like to forgive And then learning how to use that um, in a way that, um, I guess, glorifies what what the right thing is to do. Absolutely. And and you're the woman for the job. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, clearly, I mean, you've done this. You've done the work. But you've also had some help, right, with therapy and all of that. I'm a huge, like I always like to say I'm not a therapist, but I'm therapy's biggest fan and I know when I started going, it it literally changed my life for the best. I needed it so much. What has your experience with therapy been like? Oh, amazing. I think I um, kind of suppressed and pushed it down for like 15 years. I, I had an opportunity when I was a little younger um, through college to do therapy. And I think at that point in time, I wasn't not mature enough to recognize the benefits of it. 
Um, I also was trying to prioritize the things that I thought other people wanted or expected of me, which was, you need to get good grades. Um, you know, we didn't put you in college to fail. So well, like when push comes to shove, my decisions were, wow, I probably really need to make sure that I, um, you know, don't fail school. So my intention, that was, I was like extremist. I will study as much as I can. I will work as hard as I can to make this all, you know, fit that can wait. Like I didn't realize the, the, the struggles that were probably going to happen, you know, later in life by just avoiding like that's avoidant coping um, and not addressing some of these underlying issues. So um, it's been a really long journey because, you know, if you've got so many things kind of that you've never worked through and dealt with, mm-hmm. it takes so much time. Like one single thing might be like three months of therapy. Like I'll just work through once a week on this particular thing that happened and like making sense of it, understanding, and then, okay, cool. That makes sense for why I do these things. And then, okay, now how can we work to improve and rectify? Like, let's change that mindset. That narrative's wrong. You've developed these, um, you know, beliefs that were completely false. <laughs> Where did they come from? Someone yeah. told them. Someone told yeah. us. Yes. Yes. So I am such an advocate for therapy as well. I tell everybody, get a therapist. Okay. Like, everybody needs a therapist. And, you know, I think some people have kind of argued and and I understand some people share different opinions. That's fine. Um, And you might have friends or family members that you can talk to, but I think it's really important, like for people that we do love and that we care about, you don't also just want to overload them with your burdens. And it's, it's not their responsibility to, you know, to fix you. You have to have the desire to, fix yourself like you are the the person responsible for your emotions and I think that a lot of people take their friendships and family members for granted um but it's also a lot of you know it's a lot of um work to put on somebody that you care about so I think my other thing was well I also don't want to put so much burden on family and friends that they now you know resent me for even having these conversations so again I just kept um you know it was like this just makes sense now I need to go to a therapist and I can I can get the help that I need I didn't want anyone to know just how messed up I really was so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I needed a safe space where I was like look I listen to this yes yeah absolutely you you work with people still right you still coach some people I do. I have a, a very small number of clients. I think most of my time now is really trying to reach the broader, you know, community. And um, but I can't. I would never let it go. I, I truly love that intimate connection. I think that's where I feel like I'm doing my best work. Mm. Um, is on that one, you know, one-on-one level because you really can dig deep into people's. Um, you know, what their struggles have been. And it's very fulfilling. Um, And especially, I think, at the level of uh, client that I now have the privilege to work with, um, you know, these people are so invested in change. They're so, like, they're committed. Um, And one of the reasons I think I left, like, clinical dietetics when I was younger um, was because you're kind of working with a population of people that have let themselves get to a point where they do not care about their health. Um, they're unwilling to change and they're just there because their doctor told them they had to be there. And thus the, the public health care system is, at least in Australia, I didn't feel like I had enough time with patients to really get in, you know, learn them, connect, have those intimate, trusting, you know, conversations to make the progress that was needing to be done. So stepping away into, you know, the private sector and, you know, just having people come to you paying out of pocket, um, you know, I think when you have to give something, when there's a sacrifice, um, at, you know, that's when people are, you know, they're invested. They, they really want to change. And it is so good to be able to work with that, that type of client because they just they fly (laughs) they fly so has your has your coaching changed since you have started this personal journey yes it's Mm -hmm. actually um 
put me in a position a couple of times where I felt very conflicted, yeah. um, especially as it related to, you know, changing people's uh, bodies. Um, I had to have a long, hard conversation uh, with myself, with my therapists, actually spoke with a pastor about it as well, because I was like, who am I to, you know, change somebody's body? You know, that's it's not really up to me yeah. um, whether someone should be losing weight or whether they should be, you know, this way. And a lot of people come to me and that they want my expert opinion. Like, you know, when you look at me, what do you think? And I'm like, I oh think God. you're beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, you're amazing. Yes, you're perfect just the way you are. <laughs> so yeah I definitely struggled for probably a year during my my coaching trying to decide like what what my coaching should look like like what is the right thing and I think um, it's definitely evolved now to a point where there's an equal emphasis um, on uh, mindset um, you know learning how to accept your body identifying you know some of these limiting beliefs and some of it has nothing to do with nutrition and everything to do with like the person that's within because a lot of the time their why for wanting to change their bodies um it's it's like wow you know that that's one way to approach what you're searching for mm -hmm. did you know there's this other way that you can achieve what it is you're looking for it might let's call it like happiness mm -hmm. or you know acceptance um or you know uh, val validation you know and like there's two ways that we can go about this one of them yes might be you know upskilling learning about nutrition um you know putting in place uh evidence-based approaches for training however let's also look at this area you know what do we need to work on over here so yes I would say that my coaching is so different right now um and it's it really shows I think in the feedback that I have gotten and it just that's why I wake up in the morning I'm so like yes <laughs> this oh is God. awesome I'm so happy to hear that you had that year where you were so conflicted because I go through it once a year where I'm like am I contributing to the problem mm -hmm. right am I contributing to diet culture and I know that I'm not like I've reconciled it over and over again but I mm -hmm. always have to check myself um, because, you know, I think it's because we're in, we're, we are in it for the right reasons and we do mm -hmm. have the tools and the know-how to help people change their outward appearance, mm -hmm. but, um, you have to bring both. It can't just be about the physical, like, like, you're yeah. it has to and, and I think like some people, for example, um, we can look at weight loss or weight gain. I think some individuals in order for them to be healthier individuals mm -hmm. that might look like losing, you know, 30 pounds. So yes, like in that situation, if it's health um, is at risk, their biomarkers are, you know, saying, hey, like we've got evidence of, you know, prediabetes, we've got high cholesterol, um, you know, your lipids are all over the place. Um, you know, in that case, it's like, yes, I have this skill. I'm blessed to have this knowledge and education to be able to share with these people. So like that to me is like, yes, that's a win. Um, and then in the opposite case, like there are some individuals that have come to me and they're in like, they're extremely underweight, um, very undernourished and a muscle building phase um, absolutely makes sense for that person. Mm. Um, and I feel again, very grateful that I can help them do that in the most accurate and hopefully the fastest way possible. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, I think the, the difficulty has, has definitely come up or shown itself for me in the sport of uh, physique enhancement and bodybuilding and I know when I started, my heart was not in it for the right reasons. I think that was a Band-Aid solution. It was an attempt or an effort to mask uh, low body confidence, poor self-image. Um, it, was, it was used as a way to uh, make myself believe that I was um, somebody that should be valued and respected in this community. Yeah. It's like, if you don't look the part, why would somebody want to, you know, take that advice for the person that needs to lose the weight and uh, for health reasons or gain the weight for health reasons. So um, I think that uh, now having kind of gone through all of these experiences personally, um, I am able to better identify like which which people do need this help and then who actually needs to focus more on their mindset. Um, so now it's much more a combination of both.
So that's a perfect segue into something I wanted to ask you about. And I, I believe you are living proof of this now. I wanted to get your opinion on, can someone be a physique competitor and not fall into or have disordered tendencies? What, what's your take on that? Uh, my first answer is actually yes. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have believed that um, until my, I guess, last 12 month experience. Uh-huh. Um, I truly like for me um, and for those that don't know anything about my competing history. So I started in 2015. Um, that was my first competition ever. And then I'm actually competing in Worlds in two weeks time, World Championships for the WBFF, which is super exciting. Yes, very. Um, <laughs> I cannot wait. And I think um, now I am, the, the, the why for me right now is number one, it's a platform to reach women and to speak out and inform um, people of, you know, hey, if you're struggling with this, this is something that I have and am living proof of having overcome Um, or at least, you know, feeling for the most part healed. I don't think anyone will ever be truly free of, you know, the struggle that's always going to be there, but um, you can certainly know how to manage. Um, But the fact that I can now do this competition and not be attached in any way, shape or form to the outcome of that lean physique Mm -hmm. and to be able to go, I'm just doing this as a a goal. I want to go back and win. Like last year, I came runner up at World Championships I thought I'd retired and I was like, no, 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 you're competitive. Let's go back and do it again. So like to be able to have this now as just a goal without my eating disorder, driving that um, behavior, the, you know, the sacrifice that goes into competing. I was honestly terrified that I wouldn't be able to do it. I was like, and uh, I think it's been so um, comforting knowing that this has been like the easiest prep now, prep for what for as easy as it can be. Right, right. <laughs> um, it is. It's been um, just a wonderful thing to be able to say you can you can do this without um, you know having an eating disorder. But I will say, based on the research that we have in the competitive space, uh, in the bodybuilding space for natural um, drug tested athletes and in the um, non drug tested federations. Uh, I would say, I think the, the, the percentage was something like 80 to 90% of people that are competing are either um, diagnosed and have an eating disorder or they have uh, disordered eating behaviors, whether that's binge eating, um, purging, um, compensation through either purging or uh, exercising, um, and then, you know, preoccupation with food, like the list goes on. There's so many um, I guess, different disorders that people can develop. So I think a lot of people in the bodybuilding space may have gotten to that place because of some, um, I guess, personal, you know, inner struggle, whether it is, um, you know, low body confidence, um, feeling like they needed to look a certain way to be gain acceptance, to get a boyfriend, to get a girlfriend, you know. Um, I think that's probably where a lot of people start from. Mm-hmm. Mine was a way to control the disorder. It was like, this is now a reason for me to stay lean. I found a and sport that basically gives me that like complete and utter control of my diet and it will make sure that I stay lean all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was such an extreme way of living. Mm-hmm. Now, I think from a competitive, competitive standpoint for those people that are at like a professional level, the amount of work that goes into a contest prep is pretty extreme. So does that still mean that somebody has a disorder because they're practicing pretty extreme um, training? They have to practice a very, um, you know, restricted diet towards the end. Um, I don't think that that means that there's a disorder behind it. Um, But what it does mean is that there's probably a lot of sacrifices going on in other areas of their lives. Now, that may that may or may not be contributing to other like negative um, thoughts and beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that we need to look at this and I actually asked my husband this very recently um, because I always picked fun at him because as a bodybuilder and a powerlifter, he is he is like this robot when it comes to tracking macros. I'm like, yo. I dare you not to track that. Or I'm like, you're not going to eat that, are you? Because you, it will take you over by like five grams. And like, he was so diligent about like, 
his his tracking is like perfect. Oh my god! And I'm like, how, bro? Like, I like food way too much. How are you doing this? And he was like, I don't know. It's just habit. And I thought about it, and I was like, for me, like back when I was still really struggling with my identity and my body image. Like if I stuffed something up, it was like utter turmoil going on in my mind. The amount of stress and the anxiousness and the guilt, you know, if I made a mistake and like the amount of perfecting and correcting that went on, you know, behind the scenes to make sure it was all perfect. Like it was, I would end up like catatonic laying on the bed, just like, I don't even know where my, my mind is. It's left my body. Like it's, it's like I was numb due to the amount of like internal turmoil Mm-hmm. but I said to Lane so does that make you feel the same and he was like no I think I, it's just a habit for me I mean it gives me absolutely no stress at all yeah. so I think the key here that I'll bring back to what I was saying before is how much does it negatively impact your life yeah. if by you doing this board of bodybuilding and by you having to maintain that lean physique is um, something that causes you stress and you know discomfort and is impacting your quality of life, Mm -hmm. then it's probably a problem and we need to start working on that. But in some cases, and I'm I'm so excited to feel like, hey, I am in this boat now. I have moved ship to where it's no longer even a thought. Um, I'm doing this just because it's it's a, a fun, also very hard goal to achieve. And I can just tick that off and feel great about it. And there's a really awesome purpose behind it now that gives me a platform to speak to other people that are going through those struggles. So wonderful. Yes. I'm excited for you, Holly. (laughs) Thank you. Well, so speaking of this, um, you know, how much that takes you, I mean, it is not that you are working out all day and just cooking clean food. You are a real person who runs a large company. Um, you coach one-on-one clients, you've got two kids to take care of. You need to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, have your priorities shifted since you've, you know, grown as an individual, you know, has that helped you? What are your current priorities and has growing as a person and evolving helped you with these struggles? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, one of the hardest things for me when I moved from Australia to USA um, was that I had created this perfect, pristine bubble environment that was just me. Mm -hmm. And I controlled all the variables. I had everything set up in a way that enabled me to um, live the competitor lifestyle. Um, And even with doing all of that, I was still not a happy human. Like it was still, there was still so much pressure to be and look a certain way. And everything was about, you know, impressing other people. There was no uh, ever effort to just be happy in myself. So when I moved over here and uh, my husband has two kids to a previous marriage, I was stepping into a role that I had never ever been privy to I don't think I'd even babysat a child oh my goodness so (laughs) seriously I remember like one of my best friends when I was in Australia had uh, three kids when I was still living there and I'd always invite her to come and do stuff and I I remember saying to her one day I'm like um do you actually like me because you don't have you never spend any time with me like you know you're always busy doing something and she was like no 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 I, I just I've got a family it's just hard and I remember thinking like okay like I truly didn't understand I had no idea so when I came over here I think I had the shock of my life I was like yo kids are really hard oh my god they can't feed themselves oh my god they need you to put them in the bath oh wait you got to run the bath water for them like it is just such a change and like where your time goes, where it's spent, and that increased responsibility. So I kind of moved into this environment now where there's constant chaos, which is what it's like living with Lane on his own. He's chaos just by himself. And then his kids um, and the whole, you know, trying to juggle, uh, I guess, a um, a co-parenting lifestyle with the kids' mom and us. Yeah. So it was just like eye-opening for me and my whole environment, my whole world just felt like it blew up. <laughs> So um, I think I had to, like my only choices were I need to learn how to cope in this environment or I'm going to drown. 
And it was really hard. So I kind of just launched myself into like self-development and how can I stop the anxiety and how can I, you know, stop the stress. And through that therapy, through so much reading, um, I think it has helped me determine what uh, a better sense of balance might look like. And it's helped me understand how my priorities should be. And it's not that one is like always at the top, it's learning how to triage. It's learning how to pivot between all the things that are important in your life. So like you said, we have um, a number of businesses. We have our coaching team, um, which is, we've got like 15 staff in total that we have to manage. We have our supplement company, Outwork Nutrition, um, which is, you know, there's constant change, constant growth, new products, new developments, formulations. And then we have our nutrition coaching app. Like, and I, I think about the number of people that I now have to communicate with every day. It's like probably a hundred people and you wake up to hundreds of emails every day. And that's when you clear your emails out like the night before. Yeah. So I think for me, I've always been someone that like I commit to one thing at a time mm-hmm. and I go hard, like that extremist personality and it was not working. Like, I just felt like I was spiraling out of control. Like I've got this family, I've got this husband and a relationship to nurture. I've got all these business relationships to nurture. I still wanted to have my own goals, um, you know, and then there's like making sure that you're financially set up in a, in a way that uh, enables you to have uh, the freedom that you need. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it just kind of boiled back down to if you want to have a happy life or feel like you've got peace of mind, you've got to let go of that perfectionism. Yes. Yes. I was just so, I wanted to do everything perfectly and there is no such thing as perfect. There is no such thing. And it was one of the limiting things that was holding me back from happiness. And so now I have learned to be a little bit more flexible like I am approached flexible dieting. I'm like, why didn't I approach this to the rest of my life? You know, it's like no one's ever going to be perfect. But I think even when you first start flexible dieting and like counting macros, I mean, I've been doing it for over 10 years now. And even when I learned flexible dieting, I still thought it had to be perfect. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got to hit the numbers. Exactly. That's what flexible dieting is about. Perfection. Yes, I've got this. I've got a flexible diet the perfect way. And then I'm like, yo, you're really missing the, the, the whole part about flexible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think being able to like let go of that, yeah. it's hard. Um, and then also I think one of the other really huge struggles that a lot of perfectionists have is they're probably high achievers. Mm -hmm. They're used to doing things on their own, getting things done. They back themselves. They don't count on other people because they're the ones that are going to get it right. Right. Um, It makes it very difficult to like scale a business. Can't grow. You you will not be able to scale and build a successful company if your idea is that you just do it all alone. You have to start to delegate. You have to be able to trust. Mm-hmm. Part of that comes down to good communication and teaching and, you know, giving people the tools they need to do their jobs successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's been a whole new process for me and my husband. Like yes. we both were coaches on our own to start with. Yes. We did everything. It's you and that's it. So I think he took a, a harder time or took a longer time to let go of the control um, than even I did. And so, you know, as the wife, I'm here like, come on, you can do this. Like, wait, you got to let go. So, yeah, I think, you know, throwing myself into that personal development world um, absolutely has enabled me to actually grow and scale and achieve a way better sense of happiness. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's so funny. I had a, a leadership coach on the podcast a while ago. I might need to send her. I would love to send you her, send her your way. And I was like, Karen, it's like you, I'm just like you and Lane. Like how did, I didn't sign up to be a leader. Yeah. <laughs> I signed up to help people with nutrition, but yeah. you know, you do a good job. You end up having a team, but you don't know how to manage a team. It's all growing pains. Yeah. And I think um, some people, maybe they have that skill in them. But if their ego 
uh, gets in the way or they're not open to being vulnerable and to admitting fault or flaws or things that they don't know, like in business for me, for instance, even though like when we go back, I think back to when I was like 18 and I did my personal training certification and you've got a business certification kind of with it. Um, There were so many things about business that I did not know because I haven't had, you know, a a number of corporate roles. I've had like two corporate roles in my life. So um, I had an idea of how like big corporate looks but I had no idea about what small worlds look like. So then again, me being the perfectionist, I was like, well, I've had that experience and we need X, Y, Z and all these things. And it was so overwhelming that it was like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think being vulnerable and open and letting people in and asking for help, that's mm-hmm. a really hard thing for people that have been high achievers, um, you know, in school, in their academics um, or like sports people. They're used to performing and being the number one. But when it comes to business, you hear so many stories of people really like struggling when their athletic career is over because no one, no one knows or teaches them what it's going to be like once that's gone. It's like their identity is gone and now they don't know how to ask for help because their whole life they've been this star athlete. Everything's just worked out for them. And then they have, you know, they lack that skill to, to ask for help. So yeah, I think I heard something that was really great. I, uh, I also am huge into um, spirituality and I was at this really amazing breath work workshop and we did this breath work um, and it brought up emotion because I'm trying to connect to my body. Sometimes I just operate up here, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, <laughs> and so we were trying to connect and the facilitator brought up a quote and it said, like, when we don't allow people to help us, we are robbing someone of an opportunity to perhaps do something that they love because a lot of people love to help. So if we feel like we have to do all the things all the time, we're taking away opportunities from other people. And that really resonated with me. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, um, that would align with the idea that, you know, our purpose um, is to glorify God and, you know, he wants us to, use our specific individual talents Mm -hmm. um, to glorify him. So by denying help and support from somebody that is an amazing counselor or mentor, yeah, it's like you're closed off to the idea of, you know, of of doing that. So, Well, I love what you guys have built. I, I mean, you know, I am like BioLane's number one cheerleader, just like for therapy. I mean, I've been working with Lane forever. Um, I've used your workout builder. I Mm -hmm. work with Joey now as my programming coach. Um, Use the supplements. I just, and then I just liked, I see how you guys do your business and I kind of like have mimicked what you've done on a small scale, right? With my team. So thanks for being an example for for how to do things. It's hard when you're like figuring it out, right? Oh, it really is. I wish that I had, like, I'm trying to be what I wanted when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of my decisions now are like, okay, what what person did I need in my life um, that would have helped me with this thing? Or how would I be or what would I want to do if I needed help in business? So I think that's really um, kind of the directive for our companies. It's like, I know um, the things that I didn't have an experience. So now I want to be able to make sure that we can do that for the people that are in our teams. Well, and I think also what, what, what I really enjoy is you have all of the things, like if someone needs to learn about nutrition or training, they can go there and it's priced at a way where you can actually do it. Yes. And I think that's, I mean, that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. I think one of our, uh, literally on our, uh, I guess, mission statement, it is to be able to provide affordable nutrition coaching um, to everybody. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I hope that we can continue to deliver really well-priced products that are evidence-based that actually do what they're meant to do. And they are done in an efficacious way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we really pride ourselves on that. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't. The only thing I have not used is um, the workout. I mean, the macro tracker, what's the name of it again? Oh, carbon diet. Coach. Carbon diet. Only because I have, you know, you guys. Yes. But yes. I've heard great things. I've heard <laughs> great things about it. Um, how is it going from your perspective? Oh, it's going amazing. Um, we're actually in the process of going through some management changes. So I'm really excited to see 
uh, I guess, the end result of that, because it means that our dev team is most likely going to blow up, we'll have significantly more people to help um, and start actioning all of the features um, that we have had on a long list for some time now. So it is really, really good. We have about 45,000 um, subscribers and we're only in our second year of you know, business, which is incredible. Yeah. So um, I think one of the, the awesome things about Carbon um, is that number one, it is actually a coach. I know you talked about working with Joey. So um, for people with their own nutrition coaches already, I understand not needing the coaching component, but one of the beauties that our coach comes with is it has uh, the built-in tracker mm -hmm. and there are a lot of unique features that enable you to like calorie cycle, for example, we have like a, a calorie planner, which um, does all the math for you and works out, hey, you know, if I want to go and have um, a three-day weekend with the girls and I know I want to be able to have a couple of glasses of wine or whatever it might be, you can go to those days, ramp the calories up to whatever it is you feel like you need and then the coach automatically does the math and make sure that your other days will keep you kind of compliant. And then we have a feature for US and Canadians, which is macro calories. And that feature, if you flick it on, it correctly calculates the calories that you're consuming. Um, a lot of the times if people use like uh, MyFitnessPal or macro trackers, mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, you might have like I know you've, it looks like you've hit all your macros, yes. but it says, oh, I've still got like 300 calories left. Oh, cool. So like you go and eat a snack. And unfortunately, the reason that that happens is because the food labels here in USA, um, I guess they're allowed to display the calories um, minus any calories that come from fiber or sugar alcohols. So people that are consuming anything with lots of fiber added or uh, sweeteners to kind of get the calorie content down, mm -hmm even though they're not calorie free, they're treated like they're calorie free on a food label. So people end up eating way more than what they actually thought. So there are some really cool features um, in the app. And uh, yeah, I'll make sure to link to everything. Well, I have to tell you, so you made an Instagram post about that. Like, how can I hit my macros, but my calories be off? You made it yeah. years ago, Holly. Yes. <laughs> I share that all the time. Oh, I hear really? it all the time because I'll get clients with like, well, did I hit my mat? I just don't understand. I'm like, look at this Instagram post. Blow your freaking mind. So thank you for that. Instagram yeah, post. it's actually, I'm really happy. I think um, in Australia now they've made the changes to the food labels. So I wish, I feel like they're a little bit more ahead, I guess, insofar as, you know, government regulations around food and um, I guess the supplement industry as well. America is still a little bit behind. I think the FDA really need to up there. Girl, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of issues there. <laughs> uh, yes, it's tough. But um, yeah, at least there, there's one country that I know of that are doing it right now. So I don't have to worry about those guys. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Good luck mm -hmm. in two thank weeks. You. I'm, so, I'm very excited. <laughs> Wonderful. I will make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you, how to follow you, because I'm not kidding you guys. Holly and her team put out the best content. I know there's a lot of voices out there. My suggestion is to find one or two mm -hmm. that you really trust and just like latch on. That's what I do. Then it just takes out the confusion. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I did when I was first starting. I think I ran into my husband in 2012 and, uh, that I was like, why did I have you 10 years ago? This would have been so much easier. So, Seriously. Yeah, now I'm married to him and uh, yeah, it's all worked out very well. So find yourself some good evidence-based, uh, I guess, influences because it can change your life. I wish that I had someone helping me when I was young and I, I'm really trying. Like yourself, Kylie obviously is another really great resource to help um, you know, learn fact from fiction. Yes. Oh, speaking of your husband. So my husband wanted to let you know that he feels like the four of us would get along just great. So anytime you come to Denver, you have got, <laughs> you can stay at our condo and you can go skiing. Heck yeah. I am so down for skiing. We're gonna have to wait till Lane finishes world championships. He's got powerlifting coming up oh, soon. Yeah. When is that? October. He said, oh I don't want to do anything that can kill me until then, between now and then. <laughs> well, I will let you get on with, I'm sure you're a very busy day. Thanks again for being gracious with your time, Holly. Thank you for having me. It's been so lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Talk to you soon, I hope. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>
Thank you again for listening to today's episode with Holly. If you would like to follow her on Instagram, you can find her at Holly T. Baxter. Don't forget also to check out their supplements. It is Outwork Nutrition. I will have links to that in the show notes. I am a huge fan of their pre-workout and their recovery drink that has um, a little bit of creatine in it, just enough to help with the recovery and all the benefits that creatine does have to offer. Again, Holly and her team over at BioLane, they also have a workout builder if you are looking for you know, affordable workout plans that you can follow on your own. And then of course, if you're interested in supporting me and my team even more, we have our next round of Lift to Get Lean and Lift to Get Lean Revive starting on Monday, August 29th. So with our program, we give you your custom macronutrients, a six-week strength training plan to follow along with all the accountability support and then help with shifting your mindset. So there's a lot of reframing that goes on in our program. A lot of the stuff that Holly talked about above, right? Nutrition and strength training, they don't operate in a vacuum. You really need to address uh, your wellness from all fronts. The strength training is important. The nutrition is important, but you cannot neglect your mindset. And that's what we've been focusing on ever since Um, We started our program ever since I launched Lift to Get Lean all the way back in 2016. So I'll put a link to that also in the show notes. You can connect with me on Instagram at Kylie, the Kylie Larson. And I hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye.